Hey friends, and welcome to You Deserve to Love Your Job with me, Arlene Pace Green. My goal is to help you identify and achieve your greatest aspirations and have a lot of fun along the way. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey. Let's go. I am so excited to let you know that the You Deserve to Love Your Job book is available. It's in paperback and Kindle. I wrote the book for anyone who is looking for more purpose, more meaning, and more joy in your work and life. Filled with examples, quizzes, and experiences from real people, including me, and the book lays out a roadmap to help you clarify your purpose and create an action plan to achieve it. Go get it. It's available on Amazon. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Today, you'll get to hear a conversation I had with Jeff Johnson. Jeff obtained his bachelor degree in criminal justice from the University of Georgia, go dogs, and his master's degree in human resources from Georgia State University. Jeff has over 25 years of experience in the field of organizational and leadership development and change management. He has worked in various industries, including the Department of Defense, healthcare and insurance, and spent the last 18 years working in the Dallas, Texas area for PepsiCo. Jeff is a dear friend of mine, and I've always valued his wisdom, his counsel, and just his ways of approaching life and life's challenges. You are going to love this conversation. I learned so much, and I hope you will as well. Enjoy. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining today's podcast. I am super excited about this because this topic just seems so critical. And actually something you just said before we jumped on, like I was thinking it was timely, but I think your word that it's timeless is probably more accurate because certainly the last few years have been tough for everyone, but you know, life is tough. (laughs) Pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, life can be tough as well. So I think it's a really important topic. And I was thinking the other day, I think it's probably... 12 years ago, maybe probably more than that, when we were working together and you were like researching, putting together a training for this topic. So I know it's something that you've just known about, thought about, been invested in for years. So thank you for joining and for having this conversation today for everybody. So happy to do it. So happy to do it. It doesn't matter what life stage you're in. I think the notion of resilience is in fact timeless. So Mm -hmm. yeah, happy to be a part of it. I spend the better part of my career in this place. So I love the topic. Yeah, I know you do. I was thinking about that. I was like, oh my gosh, that was at least 12 years ago, maybe more if I'm dating myself correctly, maybe a little more. So um, so let's jump in and maybe just start with telling us like, what is resilience? Like, you know, just what is it? Speaking of dating yourself. So as I was preparing for this, the thing that I kept coming back to is the, the, the roll. remember the roly poly toy, the weebles and the tagline is yes. weebles, wobbles, but weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Yeah, of a way to kick this thing off. But I do think it speaks to the notion of resilience. I think, mm-hmm. you know, some days just they, they suck. I mean, everything just feels off, feels yeah. like somebody flicks you and caused you to, you know, to, to get knocked back. But resilience is the ability to get back up and bounce forward. And mm. I don't think it matters, you know, the, the, the kind of loss that you're going through. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Maybe it's the loss of a marriage or any other bad news, but you get knocked back. And what do you do from that moment? And I think the key is you acknowledge it. (laughs) You hope you learn something from it, but ultimately you try to move forward at a pace that's I think right for you because each of us are going to have a different pace. 
So what's mm-hmm. right for you? I actually love that analogy, the weeble wobbles, because people I mean, can go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> everyone who was who was born much later than us is probably like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you can Google but, it. <laughs> exactly. But I love that because I think that also reminds us that you're only that being down can be temporary, you know, because you think about the weeble wobbles like they they do. They come back up. And I think when you're in a really tough place, you have to remind yourself of that sometimes that this is temporary. This is where I am right now, to your point, acknowledging it being true about how you feel about it. But, you know, also reminding yourself that this can be temporary, like this, this can be a temporary situation. So what do you think, what interests you most about this topic? Like I said, I know you've been researching this and teaching this, honestly, for years. What interests you most about this? The idea of helping people unlock because I think when ch- when change happens, regardless of the degree of it, I think our instinct is to say, I can't do it. I feel stuck. As human beings, we just say, I can't. My first answer, I can't do it. So the passion of it is how do you help yourself <laughs> and others make, you know, just some sort of unlock that sees a path to get to the other side of it, or at least to a place that's more manageable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it is easy to resist, resist the more difficult days or resist the the changes we don't like. Um, Yeah, and then it's pretty easy to get stuck in those places if we allow ourselves to. That's right. And I think that's key. If we allow ourselves to, and we don't have to, even if some days are hard, what are the little baby steps we can take that move us a little bit more forward? So how would you know if you're a resilient person? Like, I I think I'm pretty resilient, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, how, how would someone know if they are resilient or a pretty resilient person, you think? I thought this was a really good question. And I really gave this some thought. And I don't have an assessment to offer. Perhaps you have one, but I don't. I don't. Have <laughs> I don't. <one. laughs> Not note to self. Um, but I, I, I broke it down into two things. One is time and one is the direction you're facing. And I think mm. there's something to learn from about resilience here. Let's, let's start with time. I'm not talking about the time to get over it per se, okay. but the amount of time that you spend wallowing in the loss, not just visiting, not just mm-hmm. visiting the pain, but where you're fully immersed, you're almost drowning in it and you can't seem to focus on anything else. Yeah. It's, it's how long you stay there in that moment, I think, that speaks how resilient you are. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it clearly depends upon the weight of the loss, the size mm-hmm. of it. But the less time we spend in that deep immersion, I think, allows for steps forward. Again, mm-hmm. even if it's baby steps, it's a sign of resilience. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's one thing. When I think of time, that's, that's where my brain went. The other thing that I think around resilience and how you know if you are or not is what direction you're facing. I don't know if this will make sense, but let's try it. Think of a continuum. Imagine one of, let's say, a zero to a hundred. And let's say that continuum represents a loss of a job, uh, a divorce, you know, some massive project that you're leading, where zero is the starting point. And let's say a hundred is the proverbial finish line. You know, when you get to the other side or when you get to a place where you can comfortably manage it or a place where you feel okay, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So if related to resilience, if you're standing at zero, are you facing toward 100 or are you facing toward negative 50? And I think that direction is really key. If if I'm at zero and my arms are crossed and I'm like, heck no, not today, (laughs) no way, not going to happen. 
then I'm probably not feeling particularly resilient and I'm facing away from the change. I'm not ready to take it on. But if I kind of move from heck no to, okay, I may not get far, but I'm looking toward 100 and I'm going to take one or two steps that way. Now I'm, I'm doing the work. And that shows me whether I'm being resilient. I don't know. Just as I thought about the question, those are the two places that I went, time and direction. Yes, I could see both of those. I mean, time to be from the perspective of, you know, I think the the lesson, the more we can lessen the time, not saying to your point, it depends on the weight of the loss, but the more you can lessen the time, the more time you have to be on that looking forward, um, what direction are you looking? I think that's a question we could ask ourselves probably on day to day, you know, just in the midst of the day, like which direction am I looking? Am I looking back or am I looking forward to what, what could be, what I expect or what I hope or I mean, yeah, because when you're in a difficult time, it's so easy to look, to really look back. I mean, to look toward what you lost, um, what you miss, That's you right. know, um, and not that you lost. shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you shouldn't do it, but the resilient side of us is like, how do we look forward to what could be, you know, what's in front of us? That's really important. I think people have to do the work when they look back, but that's where the, the time aspect came. Like, how long do you spend there though? Because the longer you're there, the harder it is then to kind of get yourself out of it. And Mm so it's just Mm -hmm. being intentional and aware of, okay, it's okay to visit there. But when I start living there a little longer than I should or longer than that is healthy, then I really need to figure out a way to turn away from the negative 50 back toward the 100. Yes, yes. You know, and um, I don't think anywhere I heard this recently. It's probably just something I heard, but people, someone was sharing I don't know. It might've been Dr. Phil for all I know, but he was kind of sharing this idea around how we, how we can lose time. Meaning, you know, let's say we move five steps back. Well, instead of taking five steps forward, well, once we're five steps back, now we got to come five steps forward and then move five steps forward to get where we wanted to be. So every moment we spend kind of going backwards we're losing time to where we could be on your continuum of like that zero to a hundred. So we could lose, you know, 15 steps by going back five. Cause you got to go back five, you got to come back five and you got to get to the five you were at before. So I think that's something really for people to think about, like, how are you spending your time? And are you spending your time looking in the direction you want to be? That's really interesting. Cause if you learned something by taking the five steps back that you didn't have before, then it was valuable. <laughs> fair. Yes. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Cause sometimes you do have to go back. That's, that's really fair. I love that. So then let's say we're thinking, you know what? Yeah. I've spent maybe, you know, as you said, related to a loss of project, just how we're feeling right now. And we're saying, I want to be more resilient. Like I want to spend less time, you know, at zero. I want to look towards what I, what it is I want. Like, what are some things we can do to increase our resilience? A couple of things on this one. And I, again, I think it de- depends upon the, the degree of loss. Yeah. I think our knee jerk when something hard happens is for us to say we can't. Which leads me to my first idea, which is, and I'll underscore double down on this one because it's so powerful, is to pay attention to the self-talk, the power of self-talk. And each of us, I know we've talked about this before, each of us have this little internal voice, right? Mm. You know, one sits on this shoulder and one sits on this shoulder. It's the angel who says, oh, (laughs) 
you really did a nice job. That was such a great presentation. You were great on Arlene's podcast. Such mm-hmm. great answers. Mm-hmm. And there's the other one, that devil over here that says, man, you were awful. That was, yeah. those were terrible <laughs> answers. What were you thinking? Man, you're just an idiot. I mean, like, and they're both, they're both there. But the thing is, I think they both influence our ability to move forward and to be and to feel resilient. Mm. So what I'd say to people is when you hear the voices, you know, they're, they're there and people are telling themselves right now as they're listening to this, I don't have those voices. Well, <laughs> they clearly do They're talking to themselves about not having voices. Yeah. We, we all have them, mm-hmm. but pay attention to it. How is it influencing your body? How is it making you feel? And how does it make you, uh, like, how does it influence your decision-making, mm. right? Because if you asked a couple is it helping me take one step forward or the five steps back that you were just talking about, mm. you know, like doing that mental homework? Because I, I think there's a bunch of research out there that would tell us people hear the negative voice louder than the positive. Yeah. And I would only offer that. You just got to pay attention to that and make sure you turn the volume up on the positive. At least, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least give yeah. it equal time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the first thing is the self-talk. Mm-hmm. The second thing to, I think, in help and resilience is to break it down. This is not a new concept. There's plenty of people who have talked about this, but how do you break it down into something smaller and more palatable? Uh, if you look at something in its entirety, it's really hard to have the perfect answer for how you're gonna solve it or how you might approach it. It just feels overwhelming. And I don't have that bite-sized chunk you know, to figure it out. Uh, I'll give you an example. We were talking, you were talking about COVID earlier. And in the role that I have now during the height of COVID, one of the jobs that I had was to lead this cross-departmental team um, to figure out how we were all gonna to return to the office. Not how we were returning to work because everybody was still working, but how are you going to bring everybody back to the office in this very dynamic situation? And the tension that was there, the tension with the science, the tension with what the business wanted, and the tension with what the people were willing and not <laughs> willing to do. Yeah. But my job was to sit in this chair and figure out how to bring these elements together and come up with the plan. And I thought, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. I don't understand the science. I don't understand the health the environmental safety aspects of it, which were things that influenced these decisions. So when I looked at it, long story short, when I looked at it in its entirety, it was overwhelming and it stressed me, stressed me out. But when I broke it down to this week's agenda, what departments need to be represented? Who's going to be the representative from that department? What are the topics and what are some of the key key questions we need to answer? Then it became far easier to navigate. Mm -hmm. So taking it from this massive thing that was overwhelming to this week's agenda helped me because I was overwhelmed by it. I'll, I'll, I'll fully own that. Last thing I'll say, and then I'll stop is this notion of self-reflection. You've heard the term slow down to go fast. You know, that's, that's been around for a while, but I think many of us have this bias for action where we jump in before we really know how deep the water is. Yet I think sometimes and when we slow it down, there's, there's questions that we ask that actually might help us figure out if it's the right path forward or not. As in, mm. have I done this before? Uh, what can I draw from? Who can I reach out to? Who do I know that's been through this before? What resources might be available? So like a couple of key questions that helps me think about the problem before I just jump in. Those are three things that I think t- that help build resilience. 
that last one too, like, I mean, I could see, I feel like they're all very practical things we can do, which is, you know, the self-talk, like, what are we saying to ourselves and what do we, you know, what are we rehearsing in our minds that other people say? Like, are we rehearsing the positive things or are we constantly rehearsing the negative things? <laughs> like that self-talk, breaking it down <laughs> to smaller things. Yeah, breaking it down to smaller segments. And then I've been talking to a lot of people about just thinking slower and being slower to say yes to things. I know we'll get to this later, but that kind of goes to this. You put yourself in difficult situations sometimes by saying yes too fast or not thinking through it or to your point, jumping in with both feet and then realizing this water is super deep for me. Yeah. I mean, those are so, those are so just practical. And I feel like that's things we deal with every day. Like we have to be on our self-talk every day. We have to constantly be trying to break things down and we absolutely have to be thinking slower about things just to help us be more, you know, help us be more effective in those, in those areas. That makes so much sense to me. I think the more we know ourselves, like I know that I'm guilty of speaking before I think. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I know this about myself. So if I can, if I can slow that down, because how many times, raise your hand, if you've had those times when you wish you had a do-over, man, yes. I wish I hadn't said that, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, yes. if you just stop for a minute and the visual I use is before you'd run out the door, add a screen door, <laughs> just have, <laughs> right. Have right. one extra door to before you go going outside to make sure there's, there's not any rain. <laughs> Look out that door before you walk out there with those words. Put a peephole they... out there or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that is so good. You're right. That, <laughs> we could all do that a thousand times over probably. That's, that's your next book. Add the screen door. <laughs> <laughs> add the screen door. Actually, I don't know. That could work. That could work. <laughs> So then like, what do you think about, are there things we can do to increase resilience in others? Because sometimes, you know, it's, and I've experienced this a lot over the last year. Sometimes it's things we're going through, but sometimes you see other people going through really tough times and, you know, our level of maybe influence over those people may vary. Sometimes it might be people on our teams. It could be just friends. It could be children, you know, which you probably have more influence over, but is there anything you've, either done or heard people do that maybe is about, you know, how you can encourage this or encourage other people to be resilient as well. This is going to sound awful. (laughs) I'm afraid it's going to sound awful. My intent is good. I'm positive. I probably know that. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to wish any bad on anybody, but the thought here is I think we kind of need some rough experiences to see what we're made of Mm. as in, and I think a way to encourage resilience is to draw from or pull from those experiences once we have them. Our daughters are similar age. Yours is yeah. you know, a year older than mine, but my daughter's an incoming freshman uh, and a 13-hour drive away from where we live. Yeah. So as I think about her life stage, um, this is the first real test of adulthood. You know, she's yeah. never been this far away for this long let's call it practicing independence, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So not practicing, living independently, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a chance for her to see what she's made of, to see how she handles it. So I, I don't wish ill will on anybody, but the thought is you have to experience something first to, to know how to find your way out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think what we can do as, as friends, as mentors, as parents, is to encourage them to feel it. 
encourage them to name it and give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you feel because i'm not going to tell you you're wrong for feeling it right you feel what you feel right mm-hmm. but if you sit with it if you try to understand it if you're able to articulate what it is you can feel almost to the point where you can name it i am scared i am confused i am overwhelmed mm-hmm. and i think it's easier um, to make sense of to play the role of, of coach mentor it requires me to have my eyes open. Like I need to know or sense something about you, somebody I care about, that something's not right. Like maybe I need to give you a path. Like, hey, you feeling okay today? Like something feels a little bit off. Like give license, give a a pathway for them to share whatever it is they share. Mm. Don't be in my own head. Don't be in my own drama for the day. If I truly want to help somebody else to be resilient, give them a pathway to talk to you. I think I would add to, I would encourage them to be open to new angles. Hmm. Um, this, uh, I hope this makes sense, but if people would um, let others ask them questions and lead, help lead them to self-discovery, then I think it might help them. In other words, I'm not close to your problem. I don't have the same emotional weight as you are going through the loss you're going through. But maybe I can ask you a question. Maybe I can offer up a point of view that is different than what you're thinking. It's a different angle on something. It maybe provides a, I don't know, an alternate path for how you bounce forward. So those are a couple of things. I mean, the last one might be write it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if somebody's going through something, literally writing it down. Capture the real, the raw, the not yet understood. Because maybe in the moment you don't understand it, but if you go back and reread it, Mm -hmm. maybe you see the progress that you've made because I don't Mm -hmm. know about you but I think most things I feel today look a little different tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now Mm -hmm. I don't know a couple Mm -hmm. of random thoughts yeah no you know what's so funny about this is um that is not the answer I was expecting and I really love it (laughs) and let me tell you let me tell you why I think that's so um helpful just to me personally which is I think a lot of times when we see people in, and I'll say for myself, <laughs> when I see people in difficult circumstances, instead of like, your approach is like an empathetic approach. It's like helping them really understand where they are, what they're feeling, you know, kind of not try to push past it, but to actually go through it essentially. Like, let me understand what I'm feeling. Let me understand where I am. What's hard about this, you know, like not try to just kind of, pretend it's not there and move past it. Not that I would think you would encourage that, but I think that's kind of been the approach I've had a lot of my life, which is like, let me compartmentalize this in a box so I can then, you know, try to get on with the rest of my life. And I probably called that resilient, but um, that's not really resilient. Cause by the way, that box comes up like <laughs> you're walking and then you're stumbling over the box. Like, Oh my God, I didn't know that was still a thing. So this, you know, just not trying to force people past where me where they are and just like if that's where they are just being with them in that space it's a much more empathetic I think and probably helpful approach than trying to push people which is not what you're saying you're saying kind of be empathetic with them in that space help them understand where they are offer an alternative idea but we're not trying to push people because people are on their own paths and journeys and you're well you know, this is where they might you try to push me I'm going to go heck no not today and what yeah. we want them to do is kind of take their arms down and say, okay, this hurts. This, this is yeah. painful. Yeah. But I'm going to take a step toward that hundred. And, yeah. and I want to make sure I comment about your box because I, I have this visual too. 
the box is what you make of it. I mean, if you put a little pretty bow around it and you put it on the shelf and it's all nice and decorative, it's not a bad box. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you still have to go visit it periodically and go check on it to see if you've done the work or not, right? It yes. just can't sit there and collect the dust. Right, yes, which is, <laughs> I think, what most of my boxes have done. <laughs> until I don't, until they open themselves. I, I never want to open them. Until they open themselves, then I got to deal with it. But, um, yes. I off to some storage unit somewhere, never to be seen again. <laughs> never to be seen again. End scene. I'm done with that. <laughs> but that's not real. It's that's not real. They're still there. There's still things you have to deal with. So I just love this approach of being empathetic. And I think that could work when we're talking about just the age of our our daughters. Like I think that works more with that young adult group. It certainly works better with adults. You know, no one wants to be told what to do. And honestly, we don't know what they should do because we're not living their life. <laughs> Truth be told, you know, so this kind of let me just be empathetic offer a different perspective, but let them walk their own path. I mean, that just makes so much more sense, honestly. I think people are more receptive to it when they have the idea. I mean, there's yes. a lot of work right there. It happens in corporate America all the time. Somebody else's idea gets, you know, put through, but it's, you know, some direct report somewhere. It's their idea. We don't listen to it. You yes. know, it's the exact same idea. But if it comes from you, mm -hmm. it just makes it easy. Oh, I get it. Self-discovery. Mm -hmm. I can move. It's my aha moment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So you've used this term a couple of times and I know we've talked about it before a term you share with me of bouncing forward. And we talked about a little bit, but in general, just share what you think that means. Did you have a kind of personal example that led you to that? Like what, what are you talking about when you use that term bouncing forward? I did. The catalyst for this is my mom passing away about 12 years ago. And a close friend of mine told me, write things down. And so I did, which is one of the reasons I'm, you know, paying it forward. Write it down. It may not work for everybody, but in my scenario, I literally captured every detail I could remember from the first call I got from my dad saying she'd had a stroke to the funeral, to the memory of standing on my back porch weeks later after I'd gotten home. But mm. somewhere in the process of that writing, it occurred to me that what I was trying to do was move forward. And, and, the idea as I thought through it was I'm never truly going to bounce back from the loss of my mom. I mean, that was my first gut punch of a loss on a deep level. I had never lost anybody that close in that inner circle. And it's your mom, right? Mm -hmm. So I never felt like I'm truly going to bounce back because life is different now. Mm -hmm. But maybe I bounce forward. And that, that was the idea of it. So the writing it down was mm -hmm. a way of honoring my mom with my words capturing her story, but also trying to make sense of my own grief, you know, and I, mm. I know my mom wasn't coming back, but it, it, if it was baby steps that helped me move toward the hundred, you know, it felt like I was doing the work. And I, to this day, I read what I wrote every year on her anniversary of her death. Now, mm. bounce back, bounce forward. <laughs> Maybe it's just semantics. But because everybody goes through it differently, hey, whatever works, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so what's like the writing it down? I think that also relates to, you know, just what you were saying about being willing to fully experience it. You know, that's that's the opposite of that box. It's like, I'm going to really be in touch with what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, how I'm going through this. So what, when you look back on it in a year have you gotten different perspectives from it? Like, I'm just curious on like how that's, how you feel it's benefited you the most. It hurts less. <laughs> mm. I, didn't say, I didn't say it doesn't hurt. Yeah. 
I still get the tears. I could, I could tear up right now just talking about it, but I find more smiles than I find tears, mm-hmm. even 12 years later. So to me, again, it goes back to, I honored her story and my dad's story as well. When my dad passed away, I did the exact same thing for him. Mm-hmm. And so I have these two documents of you know tumultuous times in my life, but maybe it's, we're talking about helping your kids. I think if my kids need to think about resilience, here's a document they could read through and maybe there's something from that, from this that helps them think about a loss they go through, you know? So it's, it's still meaningful. It still resonates with me. It's still, you know, still my mom, still my dad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that answered the question, but that's where I, that's kind of where I went. Yeah. I mean, I'd never have thought about doing it in that way, but you know, there's so much research around the importance of just the act of writing things down and capturing them and how much that can help you learn and grow to your point and move forward. I just had never thought about applying it to a loss. I think sometimes we're so into the experience. We don't think about capturing the experience, but I, I love that. I mean, I just, I could see how that could provide so much value because I've looked back on notes and songs from, you know, people I've lost before, but you start to lose details of it. So that capturing it in the moment, I think would be so much more powerful. It's never going to be as fresh as it is right then. Mm -hmm. It's just like I wrote, made a note to make sure we talk about details because it is in the details. When somebody tells you, you have permission to feel whatever you feel. Well, I don't know what I feel. (laughs) I mean, it's all kind of like up around here and I have no way to bring it down, Mm -hmm. but writing it down and just don't overthink it. Don't over-engineer it. You just put the Mm -hmm. words down and then you can go back and edit it. Like I would still go back and edit it periodically, not to change the intent or the content of it, Yeah. but you know, just a little word here or there, just a different phrase that brings it to life, but then it's there and I can always go back and revisit it and see how I've evolved. Do I feel different to your question earlier? Do I feel different about it? How have I moved forward, bounced forward? Oh, I love that. That's a really good strategy. And that gives you something to do with all your energy and feelings in that moment. You know, I think sometimes that's so hard. You have all these things you're feeling. And that could be, to your point, a loss of a person, a loss of a job, a loss of a dream that is something you thought you were going to do. Like you're having all these feelings and emotions. And what do you do with them all? I think writing them down could be something you do with it. And then at least you captured it. So to your point, I can go back to the details later, learn and almost see my journey I think that would be really interesting to see my journey. You can plot it. You can almost plot it. Like here's where I was at this moment. Ooh, this is how far I, these are my five steps forward. Ooh, there's my two steps back. Yes. There'd be a lot of learning in that for just how, you know, just our own self-awareness on how we go through things. That could be, yeah, that's super interesting. I love that idea. There are a lot of great songs that have been written from that free flow of, you know, things written down. There's a lot mm. of songwriters out there. Whoever you are listening out there, doesn't you don't have to be good at it. Just get it down. If it's useful for you, there's some richness in it for sure. Jeff's a musician for those who don't know it. So I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to work on my own guitar skills to one day play a song with you, but I've definitely taken those two steps forward, like 10 steps back. So <laughs> It's a long time coming, by the way. But yes, I could see how that just the emotion of it could turn into music, poetry, a story, a book. Like I could see how because it's such intense, it's such intensity in our life that we don't have in many other places. I could see how that could turn into some creative work. I could get that. 
it's progress. I mean, it's just the fact of writing it down is a step to doing the work. Mm-hmm. To me, that's an example of facing, even if you're standing at zero or 0. 0.1, I mean, yeah. you're still mm-hmm. facing toward 100 by putting it down. It's it's an action. It's an activity. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's something I, tangible. Mm-hmm. I love that. So let me ask you this. I'd mentioned this to you that, you know, I've, I've read a couple of posts from people or editorials kind of things where people say they don't want to be resilient. Like they, they don't want to have to bounce back from difficulties. They really are trying to create a life of ease, you know, like how can I have less, less adversity, less tolerance for adversity. So I don't, you know, need to be resilient. So I'm curious on your thoughts on that. I've just read a few posts from people around, like, what would you say about that concept? So a couple of things come to mind. And, and one, I think some people who don't want to be resilient are intentionally doing that too. And I think some of us, mm. we get defined by our pain, by the event that somebody did mm. something to me. And that's that becomes my identity. But But that's not really what you're talking about here. But I'm not sure I completely understand the notion of it because I think when I when I thought about this question, I think life is complicated. You were saying it earlier. Uh, I feel pretty blessed to be on the path that I'm on, but I don't know that I'd always call it a path of ease. <laughs> I yeah. still have a hard I still have a hard time getting out of my own way. But all of us have issues. There is nobody who's issue free. There's bumps everywhere, right? But maybe the the life of ease is the ability to not sweat the small stuff. You know, maybe mm. it's taking a healthy look at the issues. I'm just going to put it, maybe it's putting it in the box on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to deal with it. So I'm, that's a life of ease. I don't have to deal with it. Or maybe it's about leaning on, you know, or having and leaning on good support systems that offer you inside of different perspectives. Or, <laughs> or frankly, I just don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? what, I'll tell you one thing that came to mind when you were talking that I thought about this is, you know, one way to, to not have to be as resilient is like when you were saying this idea of one thing resilient people do is think like, look out the screen door. Like you think before you jump, if you were, you know, if I'm in the habit of jumping, that's going to require a lot of swimming and resilience. Like (laughs) I'm kind of putting myself in situations. We can inadvertently, I think kind of what we're saying, you can inadvertently put yourself in situations that require you now to be resilient. I can sign up for too many things. I can, you know what I mean? I can, I can actually, (laughs) one of our mutual friends said this one time, you know, it's kind of like setting the fire and then being the fireman, you know, the firefighter to come out and put it out. (laughs) It's like, can I just stop setting the fires? Maybe that I'll have to get on this fire truck and go put it out. So part of it is like what we control. And I think part of it is to your point, our mindset about the, the things we face and what we decide to take on, you know, maybe I decide I'm to your point, I'm not sweating the small stuff. And so I'm not, I'm not dealing with these things. I'm not going to let these things kind of become problems for me because I don't, you know, I know that's going to require me to be resilient and to, you know, have to, challenges. Like, I just don't want that in my life. So anyway, I think that's, I, in reading some of the editorials, I was just curious. It's not like it's in the research or anything. It's just, I think it's born from people having gone through so much in the pandemic, you know, everything, racial equality, all that stuff that people are like, I'm tired basically. (laughs) And so the the idea of resilience feels like too much. Too much work. Yeah. I I guess the only push I would have, that feels healthy. Mm-hmm. until it's not. <laughs> so my watch yeah. out would be 
if you can get to that place and you can you have that pretty box and you can it sits over here and it's not really going to impact you that's awesome but if it's impacting you or your relationships or how you interact with the world around you then i think there's more work that has to be done as my only watch out yeah, there is that's fair mm-hmm, that's fair so Jeff, any closing thought before we do the lightning round any closing thoughts just about resilience this topic um anything you want people to think about just any closing thoughts You've said it. I think the last few years have been really hard and people are tired. There's been plenty of opportunities to learn about ourselves and pressure <laughs> test your ability to bounce forward. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to look far. There's a lot of us who are just like, okay, to your point, I'm just tired. But it doesn't mean you didn't experience a loss or some hardship, but you're you're still here to talk about it. Like mm. the fact that we're still here should count for something. Whether it was a baby step or a big step, you made it to this point. And maybe when we reflect on those moments and what we've been through, you, you, you're stopping to think, maybe I'm more resilient than I thought I was. Mm. Now, some days, some moments are still going to be hard. But in those moments and that self-talk, <laughs> just turn the volume up on the angels. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you do equal justice to what you are good at in addition to the things you're struggling with and that negative self-talk, just be balanced in both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. We've all, to your point, we're still here. We've all made it through a lot. We all have some level of resilience or we wouldn't be where we are right now, you know, able to talk and converse, listen to this podcast, whatever we're doing right now, we wouldn't be able to do that. So if we can learn from that, yeah, maybe that helps us move forward into what we really want. Um, so, okay, before you leave, I want to do the lightning round, which is just to help the audience get to know you better. So these are just quick answers, you know, three quick questions. Um, so whatever you got. <laughs> the right. first one is what's the most unique work experience that you've had? Uh, I would say moving from talent management so for most of my career, I've been in the talent management space, executive coaching, um, succession planning stuff, to moving to an HR business partner role. Mm. Uh, oh, by the way, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. But it, the things that it taught me, the, the resilience that I feel like I had to tap into and do the work that I'm preaching about mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would say is the most interesting and, and probably it's the one thing I'll think back on in my career that I'm most proud of. Wow, that's awesome. I love that it's something new and something that will be kind of a pivotal moment in your career. That just, you know, oh, it's a reminder. Going to be taught new tricks, right? That's yeah, I love, <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um, so what is one thing you do consistently to enjoy your life? I play guitar. So within arm's reach, there's always some sort of instrument close by that that I might try to to, to learn something, write a new song, um, play with the kids. They're, they're not little anymore, but connect with them, doing a FaceTime now, going to, to, to events with them, playing golf if I can. Those are the things that I really try to make sure I'm enjoying. I like connect with, with Leslie, my wife and I, just make sure that we're not quite empty nesters yet, but we're, we're halfway there. So yeah. you know, just all of that connection. It's just, it's, I'm in a good place. Mm, that's good. That's good. I know I should have, I should have had a song at the end of this podcast. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think about requesting that it might be a little too late for that. So um, <laughs> next time, next, next time. time. Next time. <laughs> and what is one, a word of wisdom or piece of advice that you live by? I'd say you're one or two people away from getting anything you want or need. 
but you just need to know who they are and what to ask them. I put that in a song years ago. It came out of me at a, at a, just in a random way. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Let me make yeah. a note. But I think it's, I think it, there are people around us everywhere and they have some insight that we don't have. And if, mm-hmm. if, if you're one or two people in that circle or somebody you haven't even met yet, you know, there's probably something that you need or you want that helps you see the world a little differently, but you've got to know what to ask them and, and who they are. Mm, I love that. That's that's a challenge to try. Yeah. If you if it's something you need, insight you're searching for, you know, start asking for it. I could see that. I could see that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining. I appreciate your time and your insights and your just thoughts on how we can be more resilient and how we can support others, you know, as they're going through tough times as well. I super appreciate it. And for everyone on the podcast, we'll put Jeff's LinkedIn in the show notes so you can connect with him. Um, you can always find me on Instagram, Arlene underscore Pace underscore Green. Thank you all so much for joining and be well. If you love this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You're also invited to join my private email group where just for joining, you will receive a checklist for getting your LinkedIn profile in top shape and a link to the first chapter of my book. Click join the crew in the show notes. I also invite you to visit my website where you can shop our t-shirt collection designed to help you fulfill your purpose, love your work, and enjoy your life. I have them all, wear one almost every episode, and know you will love them. Thanks so much for joining me on this journey. Let's go. Thank you.